Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up? And welcome to the Mitchin, a weekly food podcast coming out of Sydney. My name is Andrew Levins. It's just me this week, but don't worry, it's not actually just me. It's uh, This is a little intro before the main part of this episode. It's a weird one. Uh, last week, myself and my regular co-host Mitch Orr from Acme and Barb Rosie, that's what it's called, uh, he and I were guests uh, with our good friend Taku, who is a music producer from Perth. Uh, he also is an avid food fan and legend um, in every aspect of the word. Um, you can uh, see him online pretty much at Taku Music, sorry, at Taku Beats or at Taku Eats if you want to see the food that he eats on Instagram too. He's a big food dude. Uh, he did an event last week every single night at the Golden Age Cinema in Surrey Hills. He invited people that inspire him. Uh, to talk with him and they recorded the discussion. It was for Dropbox. It was part of a, a big event they did called Drop Everything. And um, yeah, they had Taku in residence. And uh, for some weird reason, Taku found me and Mitch inspiring in our own way. He also found our good friend Dan Hong inspiring. So uh, look, after just getting an episode of, uh, of Hongi on the Mitchin, you're getting another one. This is uh, an episode of me and Taku and Mitch and Hongi sitting down, drinking cocktails and uh, answering questions by asked by Taku and the people in the audience. Uh, it's a bit of a pretty big, broad episode. It's about food and how we got started. Maybe you know the answers to some of these questions, but it's a fun discussion all the same. Um, if uh, you want to hear more of the Taku talks, they are all over the internet. If you just go to dropeverything.com.au, he's done... Um, I think five talks all up. Um, you've got you know, talks of photographers with musicians, um, all different kind of people that he is uh, inspired by. And you can listen to all of these podcasts for free at dropeverything.com.au. Thanks so much to Future Classic um, for allowing us to put this recording up and to Dropbox as well. Really appreciate you um, being able to share it with, uh, with Mitch and listeners. Um, P.S. If you are a Mitch and listener, and I assume that because you're listening to this makes you one, uh, it's maths and science. Uh, it's, it's a fact. You are a Mitchin listener. Um, we are doing a the first ever live episode of the Mitchin, but the fucking thing is that it's happening in a week and like three days. Uh, it is part of MCA Art Bar. Mitch and I have put together the craziest lineup. Uh, it is it is it is a, a blockbuster lineup. You've got Dan Hong back with the Mitchin team again, a third time. Third time's the charm. Live at the MCA. Uh, plus, you've got uh, Gourmet Traveler's chief restaurant critic, Pat Nurse. You heard him very briefly on our Live from Rootstock episode. We've also got uh, returning guests, Mark Best from Mark, head chef, and um, our really good friend, uh, blogger and writer, Lee Tran Lam from The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry and a uh, good food writer as well. Um, she is uh, joining us as well. So it'll be the six of us on stage. A big team of six is going to be audience interaction. It's a long, hour-long uh, show. We're going to be doing a cook-off. I don't know if you've ever heard Dan Hong and Mitch uh, complain about carbonara. Should there be cream in it? Should there not be cream in it? Hongi thinks there should be. Mitch is correct and says there shouldn't be. Well, they're going to finally battle it out. We're going to have a carbonara off on stage. It's, it's, I think it's the universe first carbonara off in front of a live audience. You need to be part of this audience. Uh, to find tickets, head to uh, mca.com.au slash events and uh, follow the links there to the art bar. You can also just look up MCA art bar 
on Facebook. We're not the only people that you can see when you buy a ticket to uh, to Art Bar. The whole event is called Golden Hour, and um, there are performances and works by Rochelle Haley from Yevu, um, Make or Breaker playing, um, the Jingle Jangle DJs, Claudia Nicholson, Adriana Picker, Dr. Cooper, our good friend and dancer, and Rita Heppy. Much more than that. And plus, our, our, our podcast is happening bang at the start of the night. Start, kicks off at 7 p.m. It's at the MCA. Tickets are like 25 bucks. Next Friday night, the 29th of April, before you uh, listen to this incredible live uh, episode of me, Hongi, Mitch, and Taku, please uh, head over to the MCA website and secure your ticket for this exciting event. We're going to be recording it live, and uh, you might even get a chance to uh, be on the Mitch and yourself. You might even just get a chance some rancid cream carbonara. Um, it could be your lucky night. You could get to do both. Um, you listen to the Mitchin shitty intro by me, Levens. With no further ado, uh, this is our live episode. And uh, please buy tickets to our actual live episode next week at the MCA. You can find us at facebook.com slash the Mitchin. Bye-bye. Recorded in Sydney, this is Taku in Conversation with Andrew Levens, Dan Hong, and Mitch Orr. Taku speaks. So this is the uh, in-residency we're having here at Golden Age. As you can tell, it's a very intimate kind of week. I'm very close to this row, which is very interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a week uh, put on by Dropbox, Future Classic, and Golden Age Cinema and Bar. And uh, I'm very grateful because we actually wanted to create some content during this week and some podcasts with some people that I, I very much look up to, people that inspire me in different kind of uh, creative mediums. And uh, since there was a theatre here, which is really beautiful and historic as well, we thought that we'd invite a select amount of people to, to join us as well. So it's very much a relaxed, in-conversation. I was going to sit up here, but I'll sit here and kind of be using my peripherals on both sides. But uh, if everyone could just perhaps turn your phones off uh, on vibrate or just off entirely, you don't need to talk to anyone for the next hour, and uh, we'll be recording it. And then you can later on visit the podcast later and have a listen back and share it with a friend. But uh, yeah, we'll get started. I guess I have three people here that, uh, I don't know if they know this, but three people that I looked up, I look up to a lot. Um, food is a big part of my life. Uh, I'm half Filipino, half Maori. So being half Maori, uh, Andrew thinks that every Maori person has a deep fryer at home, which is <laughs> kind of racist. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's also very true. Um, <laughs> you know, food has always been a part of, of my life and it's definitely just how I converse or how I connect with people. So normally when I have to meet someone new or someone to, to discuss a new uh, creative outlet or creative you know, uh, project, it's normally done over a meal. And I think that's a big part of me just because that's just how my family was. We always ate together, laughed together and enjoyed food together. So for those that don't know, I'm going to go one by one. Uh, this gentleman on the right with the anti-social social club t-shirt uh, is... Dan Hong. For those that don't know Dan Hong, he's a very revered chef. He, uh, you know, is in control of many uh, restaurants across Sydney. Mr. Wong, Miss G's, to name a few. Uh, in the brief, it said that Kanye had dined at one of his restaurants twice, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but also, Daniel's a... That, quite that's a, actually why I'm famous. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason why I asked him to come here. I had some Kanye-related questions. Um, but he... You know, he's also an avid sneakerhead. He's a family man, which I respect very much. And uh, he has his own book out too. So, Dan Hong. Uh, we have Andrew Levins next. Andrew Levins is probably the nicest guy I've ever met. Um, <laughs> he, uh, is Even if really... I'm a bit racist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, forget about the deep fryer thing. He, he was drunk. Um, he is, uh, again, another family man. He is also uh, part of an initiative called Heaps Decent, which uh, him and Diplo... Um, kind of brought up from the from and the Nina ground. Las Vegas. And Nina Las Vegas. Way more important than Diplo. She's not here, so. <laughs> Nina's um, Diplo. <laughs> <laughs> Nina's Diplo. She's dead to me. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, love you, Nina, if you're listening. She's not listening. That's why she's dead to me. Um, but uh, Andrew Levins is... Uh, I met Andrew when I first played at... Oh, this is embarrassing because I forget the name of the club. Good, good God. Good God. Yeah, that was my first show in Sydney. And it was very... Unofficial before I was with Future Classic. Who booked you? Nina. <laughs> yeah. So Nina booked me on her own show and paid me a rate, which I thought was really great. And that's why she's dead to me. Um, no. Uh, and then, yeah, it was such a unique event because Good God was the adjacent club to the restaurant and the restaurant was called The Dip. I remember the restaurant, of course. And The Dip was run by Andrew himself and his wife. 
uh, and him and his wife had a beautiful son named Archie. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that Andrew's into, podcasting, he writes a lot as well for journals, um, and he's just uh, an awesome guy. And then the third but not least... By comparison, I Insta- don't do anything. <laughs> no, no, no. He's uh, Instacril or Mitch Orr. Probably the person I need to apologise the most on the panel just because I say I'm yeah. going to come through to the restaurant and I never end up making it. <laughs> but um, they call him the Prince of Pasta. Um, well, I've never we called don't. him that. <laughs> yeah. I read that in the magazine I somewhere. I coined the term. Did you? Was it you? Yeah. Well, it, it sticks because uh, before I even knew anything much about Italian food or about carbonara itself... Uh, Are we going to bring up carbonara? Just I, I think sure, we should, because that could take like wait. 20 minutes out of <laughs> yeah. what I have to do. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that later, but he's uh, probably the spearheader of a conversation where there's no cream in, in carbonara. Did you guys know that? Word up. A whole lot of blank faces. So he can, explain, up, that. He can explain that later. But uh, Mitch owns an amazing restaurant called Acme in uh, Potter's Point, and it's, it's ridiculously good. He's also an avid sneakerhead, and like all three people on the panel, very in touch with hip-hop music and culture and whatnot. Uh, so give a hand for these three gentlemen. So I guess I just wanted to talk to you guys about what made or how you got into the field that you're in. I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, but for me, I don't even think I've had this conversation with you where I've asked you what led you to where you are. Was there a specific person that got you into, you know, food or culinary? Uh, Dan, did you want to go first? Um, well, I, um, I always, I don't know, well, my, I grew up around restaurants. My mother was a, uh, she, ha- she owned two Vietnamese restaurants in uh, John Street, Cabramatta and in Newtown. And so I always grew up around restaurants, but I never thought that I'd want to be a chef because... I, I used to go after school and help her sort of wash dishes in the restaurant. I used to hate it. And um, it wasn't until sort of my last year of school when um, she was like I, I, like, I failed my HSC. Like I went to, I got like 48 in my HSC and my, my parents spent all this money on me in private school and stuff and I did really badly. And she, she's like, what are you, how are you going to get into uni? I was like, I don't know. And then she was like, well, I'm not going to give you any pocket money anymore. You know, why didn't you become a chef? And I always enjoyed cooking because um, my mum was always out working at the restaurant and my dad couldn't cook. And I always used to love watching sort of cooking shows on TV like Jamie Oliver and stuff. And I always used to sort of cook dinner for my family. And um, I just thought, you know, why don't I just give it a go? And my passion really developed um, when my mother got me my first job as a first-year apprentice at Longgrain, which is across the road. Um, that was back in 2001. And sort of when I started working there, I just really developed a passion for cooking and eating and just, um, yeah. So she suggested to you you should be a chef because you yeah, because I, school. I, yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, and, and being a chef is awesome because like, be, besides sort of trying to pass your cooking tests you know when you go to TAFE or whatever cooking school you don't have to do anything after that like you know what I hated about school and uni and stuff is that you have to like even though when you finish uni or school you got to study you got assignments when you finish work as a chef you can just go home and not you know think about anything which is great so at that point when you were that young that's what that was your major yeah that was motivation. the reason why I loved cooking yeah so okay. I didn't have to think about homework or assignments like because obviously the the person that you are now there's a whole plethora of things you do between Working on the floor. Oh, uh, yeah, no, my life's totally stressed so, out now. Yeah. I guess I've we got can talk about that later. So your mum was <laughs> a huge inspiration too. Is that what uh, Monday Hong dinners is? You go back home? Yeah, yeah, like my mother cooks. Uh, I go to my mum's house every Monday, so I'm going there after this. And um, she can we cooks. Come? Yeah, is that an open invite, bro? <laughs> yeah. No. Waiting. What's good? If you check out the hashtag, it's, it's Mon- Monday Hong dinners? Monday Hong dinners, yeah. yeah. Just one it's... of 2,000 uh, hashtags at Dan Hong yeah. just, <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, smart, but man. she cooks uh, traditional Vietnamese food every Monday, which I go to her house with my family, and it's sort of like my sisters and extended family. And then every now and then she has like a guest of honor who comes every Monday. Um, tonight, the guest of honor is my dad. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's sweet. Yeah. There's a lot of like uh, kind of correlations between family and food, which I guess we can get stuck into later because it definitely seems apparent in all three yeah. of you. But let us, if you could talk about your origins of uh, becoming a chef. 
Um, so I changed my career path every 18 months. And um, a couple of years ago, after being a DJ and a party promoter for a while, my wife and I thought it would be a great idea to um, open a restaurant, neither of us having worked in hospitality. My wife was a waiter for a, for a while at um, a King's Cross restaurant for a while. And um, we thought it would be a cool idea if I was in the kitchen and she was on the floor. So I opened like a, like a burger restaurant in, inside Good God Small Club, which was run by my friend Jimmy Singh. And uh, neither of us had any experience really and so I just kind of relied on my friends Songi and, and Mitch and other chefs in Sydney to give me advice on what I should do, more importantly what I shouldn't be doing. Um, and this is before, like, uh, you know, now it's, you, you, can, you can like kind of like close your eyes and, and turn around and there's a new burger restaurant behind you. But back then it was, there was very few people doing American-style food. Um, so, you know, we were kind of ahead of the curve on that um, and yeah, we, we, the dip was open for maybe three and a half years. And when my wife and I had a kid, um, having a kid and owning a restaurant at the same time is, is like the worst thing in the universe because one of those things gets neglected. Well, you were, you I, were cooking at the dip and sometimes DJing at Good God on the same night, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, like, you know, that's the one current, through every iteration of what I do, I always make sure I DJ and do parties because I just love doing that more than anything else. So, um, that was almost kind of keeping me sane during like the, the harder parts of running the restaurant. No, for sure. So there's two cool dads on the panel today. Um, and are one you a dad, Mitch? Not that I know of. <laughs> All right, <laughs> next one. Okay. <laughs> so, Mitch, what's your, what are your origins? Or, uh... the, same, the same sort of thing as Dan, except my parents can't cook and they hated cooking. So rather, I got sick of eating microwave peas and corn and burnt sausages and like Dan said Jamie Oliver was starting to become a big thing on TV and that kind of thing when we were at that sort of age of being influenced you know and deciding what we wanted to do with our lives so I just started mucking around at home and my, I was like mum can we do this and she was like you can do whatever the, you want if I don't have to cook so and then I started doing food tech at school and hospitality at school and it was like an f- extra free lunch a day and I was the only guy in the class and a class full of girls. I was like, maybe there's something to this. And then <laughs> I started, I got a job through work experience, which I had to do as part of your hospitality class in high school. And then it just sort of steamrolled from there. And I met a chef and then I went to another restaurant that I met someone else and so on and so on. And luckily I ended up in good restaurants. I used to work at Le Studio, which was, used to be just above here as well, which was the first hatted restaurant I worked at. And that's where it really started to snowball. Amazing. Yeah, I think because I'm from Perth and I, I don't even remember how I met each of you, but I don't think that's important. But I think what's interesting is how you've gone from being people that have worked in a restaurant or becoming chefs, but then kind of crossing over all other creative mediums <laughs> and meeting other people that are doing things in their own creative medium. So for me, for instance, I have nothing to do with food. I've wanted to open a restaurant. I, I, met, I, I text Andrew like when I, I must have been, I don't know drunk or something <laughs> but I was like I want to open a restaurant I think I've got then, that text too <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but uh, it, that kind of died over like in five minutes but I think what's interesting what do you think makes you guys stand out because whether you believe it or not or want to admit it you definitely have a cultural influence around those around you not just in the food industry but for those that are in the music industry fashion I, I don't know it's weird I mean I, I guess I mean we we first met at this I don't know if you know but me and Mitch and a few other guys like um, Adriana Zumbo and Darren Robertson and Morgan McGloan, we formed this sort of, I would say, sort of clique back in 2009 called Toys, which was um, uh, Taste of Young Sydney or Toys Collective. And the reason we formed that was, was because was we, were, we were really young chefs and back then <laughs> there was not... Um, all, the, all the chefs getting all the publicity were like still the old guard. It was still sort of like Neil Perry, Matt Moran... Guillaume Brahimi, all those guys, which was fine, like Tetsuya and all that. And but no, they no one was really sort of looking at what the young guys were doing. And even though, and then, um, and that's why we created toys and we started doing dinners and stuff. Um, you know, open to the public to you know to show us what, show people what we could do. And that's where we actually met Levens because Levens came to you came to the first toys. Yeah, because the um, one of the other members of the toys was a mutual friend of ours, Mel Leong, and she yeah. invited me to come through. And that's where we met, and Levens, he introduced himself to me and went, look, I hold this hip-hop party called Halfway Cooks at uh, Phoenix, uh, you should come. And then that's when I sort of messaged him, and then I came, and then that's sort of, we kept... Yeah, yeah that's that funny it. too, because I've been going to Crooks since Brian Up. Yeah. Since it started, basically, and never knew. Halfway Cooks is like just like a monthly 
really simple rap party that I run with Franco in the back over there. What's up, Franco? Hi, Franco. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'd been going to Levin's parties for years before we even met, and it's just that we have mutual interests, you know what I mean? And, and now the community that we have is so strong across music and fashion and food because they're really, you know, those interests really intersect. So the community grows and becomes bigger, and I guess that's how, how our influence grows as well. And that's how you met us as well, because, you know, one in five DJs is the one that loves food. Yeah. And, 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 and all the ones that don't love food are like, oh, you like food and you're a DJ. I know another DJ that likes food. You have to meet them. I think it was Nina. Yeah, it was Nina. And then, and then you inevitably get given a list of, like, the top five places you have to eat at when you're visiting that DJ city because they're the expert of that city. And yeah, I, I probably no, You've got to go to Acme. You've got to go to Mr. Wong. It was probably before Acme, but, you know, wherever you were. In, yeah. Yeah, back yeah. in the day. There's, like, a, another, like, a sad truth is that whenever I go to a city and I know a chef, it feels nice to bring people to a restaurant and say, I know the chef. They'll <laughs> <laughs> take care of the bill. And then it's embarrassing when they don't take care of the bill. <laughs> and then they don't give, like, free dessert or anything. <laughs> Just for future reference. Yeah, it's the same. Whenever I'm, like, li- listening, to, whenever I'm listening to, like, um, futuristic instrumental hip-hop, I'm like, I know the producer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great joke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Next question. Um, so I guess with the... It, pretty much leading from my last question which is pretty much the same question because I want you guys just to kind of brag a little bit is this what (laughs) not brag but what do you think makes you guys stand out to the rest and and it's quite a competitive um, community you know the the restaurant I think it's because we're ourselves you know like when we we were younger chefs I used to work for used to be like you have to wear a suit and a tie to interview and you have to do this and you have to do that and if you go and have an interview with the media you have to you know wear a collared shirt and we don't we wear you know we're just ourselves and Shorts. we're ourselves on social media 12 year old clothes yeah. <laughs> you know Levens, nice Levens isn't shy about his love of comic books I'm not shy about my love of sitting on a couch being lazy you know what I mean like <laughs> We're, we're ourselves. So that now, um, Mitch only Instagrams dishes from Acme. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't have time to eat anywhere else. <laughs> we don't all have that nights off like you, bro. <laughs> no, but, you know, I think that's why, because we're ourselves and we take what we do really seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And, you know, we have fun with it. And I think that translates. Yeah, that's a great point. I know that uh, whenever I get asked the same question is that you take your art seriously, but the moment you start taking yourself too seriously is the moment that you start forgetting why the reasons why you got into whatever field that you choose to do. Um, there's a whole bunch of questions that we had today, but there's one question I wanted to ask. Like when you, I don't know if you guys have had your heart broken before. Obviously, you guys know my EP called Songs to Break Up To, available Listen on to iTunes. It every day. Um, <laughs> it's my ringtone. Oh. <laughs> I go can, to sleep to it. There's still wax available on Discogs if you want to buy it. Um, and then there's another one called Songs of Makeup. Um, so I guess <laughs> when it comes to comfort food and when you have had a bad day or your girl's just broken up with you, I don't I hope that hasn't happened recently, but what's the go-to dish? Did you with your recent honey? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, this is my go-to dish when there's nothing else. Like I come home and I can't go out to eat or whatever. But, um, does, you know, instant noodles, right? You know Nong Shim? Nong shim kimchi flavor in the bowl. Okay, get that shit, right. <laughs> get two, get three slices of processed American cheese or even Kraft singles. You put that on top, put the flavor sachet, boiling water, boom. Like sir- Boiling water after the cheese. Yeah, because you, you're melting the cheese while you're pouring oh, the boiling you. water over. Then you put the lid back on two minutes. It's seriously one of the best things you could ever f- eat. I swear <laughs> to God. Like, it's so good. Every time I eat it, my mind gets blown. Like, it's so good. Like, amazing. That is my sort of guilty pleasure besides McDonald's breakfast. Yeah, but, for real. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just out of curiosity, so the McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> yeah. What, what is your go to? Well, it's, it's always a McMuffin. <laughs> like, it's, it's, depending on my mood, it's either a, a bacon egg or a sausage and egg. I mean, sometimes I like to put the hash brown inside, but with the sausage and bacon egg, I can't eat it without ketchup. Like, I just can't because I need that acidity. So I always ask for the ketchup. How dare they leave it without ketchup? It is too dry, right? Yeah, I need the ketchup. So, yeah, but every time I'm 
at the international airport, even I have a morning flight, it's like a we ritual just, to have Macca's breakfast, man, like big time. Create an explorer here from Chicago. They're in the back. And uh, he said the only time he has McDonald's is when he has a flight to catch. Yeah. Yeah, that's because the, that's you're not, you're not a, a true person when you're yeah. at the airport. You're like a halfway. Yeah, because <laughs> there's nothing worse than when like you've had a big night and you get to McDonald's after the big night and they've switched to the breakfast menu. <laughs> <laughs> I want nuggets. <laughs> I want nuggets. It can't happen anymore. It's 24 hours. And um, so, Levens, you? Um, I uh, have found three pizza places within like half an hour of my house that do pizza by the meter. By the meter? Yeah. The and fuck? Yes. Yeah, as a slab? Like or a so it, yeah, 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 it's like a no, it's like, but it's a like, you know, the width of a regular pizza, except it's a meter long. And someone, walk... someone asked where you live, Levens, if you just want to give the general. Uh, Parramatta. Parramatta. Um, and uh, so, there's one in Meadowbank. There's one in Lane Cove, and there's one in um, some place out west of the Oh, so these are all like Napoli style? Yeah, yeah, Napoli. Because like my favorite, like a margarita pizza, that's like for me, like hungover or even just tired or over it. Also, it's like like I have a two year old, and two year olds, no matter how hard you try, like I'll be like, I'm gonna make my two year old nachos and be the best dad in the universe, and then he'll just be like, What's this? And throw it on the ground. No, no nachos, no. And you're like, This is like the best food in the world if you're a two year old. What's wrong with you? But pizza is like the ultimate, ultimate food for a kid, and also the ultimate food for a thirty year old. So it's funny because Nami hates pizza. Nami, yeah. ha- Nami hates Western food. Though. She hates Western, but she loves food. pig's yeah. head. <laughs> pig's yeah. head soup. Yeah, no, um, Dan's kid, Nami, is probably the luckiest kid. Uh, and Andrew's, but like... It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard trying to make everyone happy, but uh, because I'm Asian... Oh, that sounds bad too. Um, so what about you, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, just go Mitch. <laughs> yeah, it kind of depends. Like, Any I don't type really of have... chicken burger. Yeah, zinger, zinger burger, a zinger burger. Did you but, try uh, the black one? No, nah, I didn't try that. I did. It was I, bad. Was it good? Like it's black. Is it's there just, any it's a difference in flavor though? I'm, I'm a purist. I'm a purist. But it's a weird new sauce. I'm a purist. In Racist. Like my like my carbonaras. But very for, good, Andrew. You try the black one. For me, happy. it's like if I'm sick, it's like congee or fur, or you know, if I'm like tired and hungover, then it's pizza as well. But, How about your heartbroken heart? Uh, I don't know, bro. I haven't really experienced that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you can still buy that EP, though, if you want. <laughs> I, guess, um, uh, I thought you were giving me one, bro. <laughs> one of the many promises I break. Um, so I guess that's that one question. And then another one, you can be as quick as you want, but this is one, uh, foods to make up to. So obviously when you're with your family, let's say you have your family or your in-laws or your girlfriend's friends with you, what's the one spread you put out for them? I'm just curious. This, this question is just for me. Fried chicken. It's always fried chicken for chicken. me. It's like feed the masses, easy, it's tasty, it's pleasing, it's like, it's happy. Like you can never be sad eating fried chicken. Half my family don't eat meat anymore. So like, oh, your family sucks. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that tough for you? No, it's like I don't, I don't cook meat at home anymore. My wife doesn't really eat meat anymore. Um, I don't, Who doesn't I, eat meat anymore? She does when she's out, but she just won't, won't cook it. I don't know, it's weird. It's fine. It's, it's kind of cool because, like, you know, it, I mean, it's healthier, mate, and it's also so, better for the world we live in, buddy. It is, mate. Um, it is. Uh, let's not make this one of those yeah, podcasts. Chill out. <laughs> wow. I've got some pamphlets here. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm a vegan. I'm like, no, I'm, I, I, this is so lame. But my favorite food to cook now for people that when they come over is dal, and like, I have like a really, really good dal you, recipe. You've been living in the suburbs Nana, too yeah. long, bro. I live near Harris Park, so all the really good Indian supermarkets no, are no, near me. True. Indian, all the good Indian spices, food. like, yeah. And yeah. For a family, that's, that's a good that's a good mm. No, just kidding, guys. Pull pork. <laughs> Pull pork. <laughs> that's what it used to be. You grown, bro. You grown up. <laughs> Pull pork to dal. Right. Yeah. Wow. Pull um, dal. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, I guess if I was feeding, like, a whole bunch of people, like, I think steamboats, the best way to sort of get everyone involved and make your own stock, put it in the middle or two big For all pots. the white people in the room right now, a steamboat is not a literal that's, boat. That's, <laughs> that's racist. It's like, it's like shabu shabu. It's like hot pot. So I have all the raw, ing- I buy all these raw ingredients and make a really awesome dipping sauce and everyone can sort of cook their own prawns and beef balls. For all the all white that. people in the room right now, shabu shabu is not the name of an ASAP Rocky song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's all. I love Steamboat. Like, people can make their own sort of noodle soups and, and the more you put into the stock, the more flavours the stock becomes. Mm-hmm. And Amazing. it's sort of a good way to get everyone involved. Yeah. You can't be barbecue for that either. Like, yeah. you know, whether it's Cambodian Cambodian barbecue, barbecue, southern style, or, 
you know, like that, and that's something that's you know for the white people too. Let's not finally, create, <laughs> finally. Let's not create divisions, guys. Um, <laughs> we're getting hungry. Um, so I guess uh, following on from that and talking about how much of you guys have achieved and continue to achieve and want to achieve is uh, kind of inspiring, even for someone like myself that isn't in the food industry to see that kind of drive. And uh, for me, one thing I feel like is not missing but could need more of is that uh, kids that are in school, um, primary school into high school, or kids that are just growing up in general, that mentorship or being able to see someone else coming up and that creative drive, that there is something out there where you can make something for yourself. It doesn't have to be the most conventional way. So it's that mentorship that I feel like is kind of important or needs to be uh, more apparent in today's society. So when it comes to mentorship with you guys, do you feel like that's an important part of what you do? Because I feel like you kind of do that whether you know it or not, subconsciously, through your socials, through your initiatives? Well, that, I mean, that, I mean, you're talking to the ambassador for New South Wales apprenticeships, mate. Wow. But, um, <laughs> how, how, many, how many apprentices... He's talking about me. How many apprentices do we employ, Dan? None. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, that's, that's the one thing I, uh, I'm really starting to focus on myself this year, actually, because uh, last year I started to take too many gigs in terms of whether it be overseas cooking gigs or, mm. or interstate or, or whatever. And, um, you know, I asked my, my sort of sous chefs around October last year about, you know, what do you want to see me do more of? I wanted some feedback from them. And they, they, they basically said, you're not here enough. You're not here to sort of show the guys what to do and, and be a mentor. And it really sort of changed every, you know, the way I think about coming to work now. So... So this is that was sort of like that's sort of like my focus this year and, and okay. making sure I am, you know, showing each section whether it be a commie chef, a sous chef, a chef to party, whatever, and showing them how I do things and, and making sure that you know they are well mentored and you know I still forget that I am at this level now where the reason they came to work at Mr Wong is because they want to work for me, mm. you know, and you know I still don't see myself in the same league as sort of you know Neil Perry and Matt Moran, but maybe they do. So I you know. I'm still trying to, you know, Fall into realize that, that yeah. and go. Okay, I need to sort of show them the way and and, and so on. And yourself, Levens. I mean, if you want to tell uh, the podcast and also the people here today a little bit about Heaps Decent, because I feel like it's a great initiative. And yeah, so I mean, Heaps Decent started in 2007. Um, Nina, Las Vegas, and I were were DJs at the time, and I wasn't working aside from DJing like twice a week and and making what I needed to live off, you know, two, two nights work a week um, and wanting to do something constructive with my time outside of that at the same time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We had Diplo coming out here who we would we'd we'd DJ'd with and befriended and he was complaining that like, you know, that the there was no he didn't feel any connection when he was in the club between um himself and the, you know, original people of Australia. So there was no basically he said, Why is there no black music in Australia? Um and uh so we then um kind of 
thought about that and thought, you know, how do we get him connecting with different communities? And um, next time he toured, he went to Manangrida, which is the te- uh, community in Northern Territory. Um, and then we also took him to a juvenile justice centre, which is a juvenile detention centre in country New South Wales. Um, and uh, after those workshops happened, they were really amazing and he left us with a, a kind of bare bones set up um, to continue doing those workshops. So we, we kind of funded it for us by ourselves for a couple of years and then got benefactors and, and different people coming on board. But basically what Heaps Decent does is, you know, we travel around the state and go to like community centres or schools where kids have behavioural difficulties or we go to a juvenile detention centre, different um, like after-school drop-in centres in rural communities and we'll make music with the young people there anywhere from like 8 to, you know, 21 years old. But the idea is that we provide, you know, like I feel like, you know, any kid is a couple shifts away from buying his own turntables or his own yeah. production setup, you know, in, in our in our society. But there's so many kids growing up that have no idea that the kids that they the, the people that they watch on YouTube, like you know, that's a that's a possible kind of career path for them. So sure. you know, heaps season exists basically to kind of put that idea in young people's heads around the state. And um, at the moment, like heaps, I mean, I, I, I just have a board position on heaps season now, kind of overlooking stuff throughout the year. But there are that many facilitators running so many workshops. I think they run like 300 workshops a year at the moment, which is crazy, the massive kind of sustainability, working with different people all over the state. Amazing. And uh, I think with the Heap Season, that's kind of how I fell in knowing you with Nina as well. You know, you guys used to do so much and still continue to do so much. And I I think it's great that you you show the kids that it is possible, that it's not a far-reached goal to be, you know, someone that owns their own restaurant or someone that plays their own music out to new people. Yeah, totally. So it's it's definitely a great initiative. And mentorship for you, Mitch, does that mean something to you? Yeah, I think it's... Like, food's so big at the moment now. Like, it's all over the media. It's everywhere. So, you know, people know it's something that's achievable. And like Dan said, you don't have to be the sharpest tool in the shed to become successful cooking. But... I think it's really important for us to the kids and the apprentices and the young guys that young guys and girls that sort of come up and they've got to know that nothing comes without hard work like none of our success has come overnight it's been 15 years of cooking and working and slaving so you know it's kind of the battle between TV and reality you know like actually making kids realize that nothing comes for free and nothing comes easy so that's sort of you know like you work hard, you get rewarded. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's no, for sure. For me. Especially given in the world that we live in with, you know, fast-paced media, social yeah. media, overnight success that a lot of kids forget well, when they the ask. Reason, I mean, that's the reason why a lot of the apprenticeship system is failing because, mm-hmm. you know, there's not less and less people that want to do apprenticeships. I, I'm pretty sure in all areas, not just cooking, but like plumbing and carpentry, whatever is because they don't want to do the hard work. Yeah. You know, and it I think it's it's just it's relevant. So if you wanted to be a plumber or you wanted to be a DJ or 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 a chef, it's the same amount of work you have to put in to get to that point. Yeah. And that's why I, and I feel like there's a lot of kids out there that choose a creative path because they feel like it's less work. Yeah. If anything yeah. it's the yeah. same if not, yeah. more. not more. It's more yeah. So I think it's the mentality for kids I, I like to let kids know is that it's definitely I I've been working my ass off and I'm still not where I want to be, but mm. I'm getting there. But it, it definitely takes a lot of hard work. Something that spooks me is, like, you know, when I was 20, I was putting on parties, I was DJing, I sucked and my parties were shit, but I was still doing that. Yeah. Um, and when I look for someone doing that now, it's really hard to find people as young as that doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, I, I like, you know, m- maybe it's harder than it was back then. I don't think it, it is. Like, I feel like, you know, the, the, I had as many hurdles back yeah, then yeah. when I was there. But, like, you know, we're... The massive message in Sydney at the moment is the Keep Sydney Open message. But when you look at the younger generation, and honestly, if anyone is here right now that wants to educate me otherwise, like, it's hard for me to see people, you know, even five years younger than me that are, that are on the same path as, as, you as, as I was mm. back then. No, I agree. Which is scary, but maybe it's just not as... With, when, when internet becomes more relevant, we just can't see it. Because it's just everything's online, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's not their passion. Like, if you're really passionate about something, you're going to work hard <coughs> for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I worry about the future of our industry, though. Like, it's really hard. Like, you look at all the talent around Sydney now of like our generation. There's so much 
that's happening now, like Lukey Powell, Dan Puskas, Matt Lindsay, Dan, like all these people that have now hit a certain point in their career and they're opening their own places. Mm-hmm. And we all came up together and worked together when we were younger and like slaved our asses off. You know, and I worry about, like it's hard for us to even find staff, let alone passionate, committed staff. So what's going to happen to the next, like when we become the old guys, which we almost are already, like who's going to want to push us out and change the game again, you know? Which you're kind of thriving for someone to do, right? Yeah. Which sounds odd, but it's yeah, true. Yeah, because like, oh, we, need, we need the push too, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, we need the push. I mean, our job isn't done unless someone tries to push us out, mm. yeah. you know? Yeah, it's so interesting how it disbands. That's so relevant to any other creative medium too. And it's pretty much the same. I know the music is definitely oversaturated now with the music, but it's not oversaturated in a bad way, but it just, just it takes more for you to stand out. Yeah. Is that similar with the food well, industry? Yeah, I mean... I think so. Yeah, I think so. You know, like, I think because there's more of a spotlight on it than ever too. So anyone can get a little bit of shine, you know what I mean? Because the media is so hungry for it. It's easier to open a business now than it was a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, it's still fucking hard, but... Sure, but but you have a lot more... I've heard you, like, complain in the past about that, you know, people that haven't necessarily, like me, for example, um, (laughs) not that you complain about me, but, like, you know, someone that doesn't have any restaurant experience will open up a open up a restaurant before they have any restaurant experience and yeah that happens all the time but i think now there's so much competition that they last even less than they would have in the past you know like it's so competitive right now it's really like it's really hard and sydney's so fickle Mm. the dining public in sydney is so fickle so if you're not doing interesting stuff to keep your name out there you know and if you're not you're not active on your social media and you know you're not showing people that you're always doing new and you're always creating, you can fall off like that, you know. It's yeah, no, it's definitely food for thought. I think that's what this, uh, this whole residency this week is, is for. Tomorrow we have a, uh, two up-and-coming music artists coming through who are very young but also very driven. And like you said, Andrew, they remind me of uh, me and my peers five years ago, which is encouraging to see. Yeah, you, you when I said that. what I said, like, that, that's not me saying that there's no one. I know, but I feel like, you, yeah. yeah. I mean, I need I'm holding DJs you to that, and it's going to be the tagline for the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no one was like me five years ago. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just as we kind of wrap up, because uh, we're kind of powering through this, uh, there's just one uh, kind of subject I want to touch on. It was with, like, collectibles. So, uh, Dan, Mitch, you both are very, you know, avid sneakerheads. Uh, Andrew, you're also collectibles when it comes to comics, and you know you even brought in that assigned uh, poster today. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your other passions other than other than food, and uh, why you think you're into those things. Um, I mean, I I got into sneakers, I would say seriously about 2007. I mean, I always started buying sneakers when I was an apprentice. You know, started with sort of Nike Dunks and stuff, and then when I started doing a bit more money I started getting to Jordans around 2006 2008 a lot more money yep uh, just like any real sneakerhead they always get into Jordans and then but now I'm um, uh, it's, it's gotten really out of hand to be quite honest <laughs> I mean you, you plus you, you purchase and you get Centrelon too right yeah, I mean, that's one of the perks of yeah, yeah. sort of being, um, having, you know, a lot of, a few followers on Instagram and, and posting sort of what I wear every day. Um, you know, if, if anyone doesn't follow me on Instagram, all I post is food, my family and what I, sneakers that I wear. Gym selfies. And, and um, three-year-old memes. <laughs> but, um, he looks good. He's got the arms crossed. It's... Yeah, but um, and the thing is, a lot of my followers, I wouldn't say... I mean, maybe not 50%, but I would say at least 20% of my followers are real. They don't follow me because they, they know I'm a chef or I'm into food. They follow me because of sneakers. And, um, yeah, it's just been huge. And I, I'm, I'm obsessed right now with uh, Nike Flyknits. Um, who's the Flyknit head? Anyone? Yes. <laughs> Three An people. astounding three. Okay, three. <laughs> but I, I, um, I, um, for people who didn't know, I'm, I, I created a Flyknit Australia page on Facebook. No one knows that. I, oh, really? Yes. What's well, it called? No it's called Flyknit Australia. So, okay. Very creative. So uh, buy, trade, discuss, uh, sell your Flyknits in, in Australia. It's on Facebook. What are the, what are the group, stats So I have to uh, allow you in. And I'm also the admin for uh, Flyknit HTM on Facebook. So I've seen that. Um, the people don't realise that, yeah. I've reported that page heaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So are you a Flyknit or a Pure Boost Flyknit? 
I'm always flying it, but I do love uh, my boost. I mean, I love ultra boosts. Um, I've got three pairs of triple whites. Um, I do love ultra boosts. I'm not a real big NMD fan. Uh, luckily, the Adidas one's not here. Charmaine's not here. But um, I'm not a huge NMD fan, only because they've started to release so many and yeah, like, people are camping out and it's like... They're like the NMDs next, uh, are the ZX new Roche. Flux. They are. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, you know, I'm a big Ultra Boost fan, but I'm always Nike for life. Like I'm flying it, flying it. I love flying it. Yeah. Mm. And Mitch, are you Air Max all day or what's? what's yeah, the I sort of the same sort of thing when I was younger. I was Dunks, and I sort of got into it through hip hop culture, and you know, just sort of grew from that. And I was, I was the only one when I was younger that had any interest in sneakers or you know, streetwear. So. And I never, I never started getting the big paychecks like Dan, so my my collection's a bit smaller. But <laughs> do you wear sneakers in the kitchen or the, the, yeah, the I wear chef sneak- Crocs? No, I wear sneakers in the kitchen now because I have to wear orthotics. Does anyone wear old. chef Crocs? <laughs> nah, okay. but um, Birken- we used to wear. It's Birken- funny Crocs. because I still wear Birkenstocks, yeah. but one of the guy, one of my apprentices, is actually. Does anyone is anyone on the group um, Supreme Australia? Anyway, that, it's got like ten thousand members, and he's like, he's like, he's like, he started the whole group. It's like it gets seven hundred requests a week. Is that Manny? No, it's not Manny. Yeah. It's this guy Jack, and he started the group, and he wears Crocs in the kitchen. I was just like, yeah. what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, he anyway. needs to get taken off as admin. Um, and Levs? Yeah, I'm, I'm the uh, Levs could not give a fuck less. No, I'm the admin of uh, Dunlop Volleys. On <laughs> Spokesperson. No, I like I like set myself a challenge because I, I I kind of always will do so many so much like all my work is pretty much me doing things I love, be it food or music or you know writing about things I really like, and so I always try and find things that I'm like I couldn't possibly make money off liking this. And um, I'm now like being paid to do a pop- comics podcast, mm. um, and so now my one. I, um, when I had a kid, that unlocked this thing in me where I was like, I have to make sure he has every single toy that I could ever want, <laughs> he could ever want. <laughs> 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 so like my like, I spent thousands of dollars on Lego last year, amazing. and it's just staying like pristine. I like cupboards full of these amazing sets, and I found out recently that Lego actually. Uh, like continue. it goes up in value faster than gold does now. Yeah. <laughs> like no, you can't take it out of the packet though, right? What's that? You got to keep a mint. You got to keep it. In there. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about that. I'll open it up. How do you get it. time to read all the comics you have to like review on the podcast? It's How like, do you get time to run seven thousand Facebook groups? <laughs> <laughs> well, all I have to do is like. <laughs> Like accept requests to join, and I'm just like, mm. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like when you when you work for yourself, you have to do something that feels like it isn't work at all, yeah. and something mm. like you know, two people that can fly punching each other in the face <laughs> doesn't feel like work. If you read, you could read it. You could read a comic in about two minutes flat, though. There's not like heavy. Um, yeah, totally. But I read about uh, like seventy a week. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> but, I Lev's also like lives in Parramatta. He's got plenty of time to read. <laughs> Uh, I guess, I guess uh, just to wrap up, guys, because um, this is a, a podcast that would be um, hosted by Dropbox on dropeverything.com. And if I feel like for people that are listening, mostly will be from you know people that follow Taku, but I feel like if there's something you could tell a creative or someone that wants to pursue something that they're passionate about, without you can be as cliche as you want, but what's, what's one thing you, you, you would tell them uh, in order for them to keep their head down and keep working? Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm old school, man. Just don't give up. Like, seriously, like it, when I was an apprentice, it goes back to sort of my third year when I started at, um, I don't know if you know, it's a restaurant called Mark. It's, um, it's on Crown Street and it was absolute hell. My mum always still gives me shit about it. It's like, remember when you were at Mark and you were really depressed for like three months? <laughs> and, and that was sort of like the breaking point for me. It's like, you know, should I give up cooking or should I continue to like strive to be the best and at the time Mark was one of the best restaurants in Australia and um, I was just you know bollocked every day I was you know everything but I, the reason why I stuck with it was my passion for cooking and my passion to be the best to try and be the best at you know what I'm doing and you know it, it, it really is it's just really just don't give up when I was uh, 19 I had 14 jobs in one year I would basically just like find a job. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. I'll do it for a bit. And then I would quit and do something else that sucked. And 
like, cause the idea of doing something that I love for money was just like incomprehensible to me. So I just would just kind of move to completely different, like, I'd, yeah, I'll work in the Mac store for a month and then I'll go work at a cafe for two weeks and then I'll go work doing phones at an advertising center for a while and then I'll quit unceremoniously there and they'll hate me for a while, but who cares? I don't want to work in advertising anyway. So, but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like find something that you don't care about and do that for money and then every moment that you have right. free from that job that you hate, do something you love. Even do half the time you're being paid to do that job for, they don't care what you do. The job sure. sucks. So do, do something you love during while you're working for them. Mm. Yeah, I worked at Medibank for five <laughs> years and I used to do all my work at Medibank mm. and uh, I used to leave my, my jacket on my chair and leave my laptop, laptop open like I was still working and left like a tea and some like... like a some couple bis- of Oreos some biscuits and like like I just left for the toilet oh, so I could come in as late as I could or as early as I could yeah. people would think that's I was still there and if you, if you get down and sit down you look like you're annoyed but like yeah, people yeah. don't question you so if anyone's listening <laughs> just do that um, but yeah you know what I mean like like when, if you want to do something that you love you're not going you have to get it out of your head that you're going to be able to do it for money straight away yeah. Yeah. so like you know spend all your time doing it but you need to I don't know I feel like a lot of people are like you know I want to be a writer and I will be a writer today but it's like you know you can't write immediately you need to you need to cut your chops doing that shit for free for a while like don't be afraid to work for free for a while while you get paid to do something else Hmm. very true and Mitch short term sacrifice for long term gain just like Lev said you know you gotta you gotta just work your ass off and hopefully someone notices that hard work and then gives you an opportunity that leads to another opportunity that leads to another one and if you don't put yourself in that position then those opportunities will never come and like i said earlier just be yourself Mm. and be who you are and someone's going to recognize that you give a and they're going to give you a chance based on that for sure thanks a lot guys for anyone listening make sure you check out the information uh, that comes with the Dropbox link and there'll be information about all three of these guys. I think we've got about five to ten minutes for questions. If you want to open up the floor, I'll even give the mic to you. Does anyone have any questions? Anyone want to touch a taku-touched mic? <laughs> <laughs> I feel weird giving it to people. <laughs> um, this is for Levens. It has hey. nothing to do with food. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> did you get the Ghostbusters Lego car? I did. And I got, more recently, I got the Ghostbusters, um, have you seen the HQ? No. Oh, it's like a $500 Lego set. Cool. Have you seen it? Finally. Something Sick. I care about. Yeah. <laughs> it's Maybe like this do a, enormous... a Lego group on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And Dan, um, what was the last pair of kicks you copped? Um, I copped the uh, Zoom, that you paid for. Zoom Telerias at Supply. So it was. Um, How'd you get Telerias too? Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. I copped them. Yeah, yeah, they're dope. They they hadn't been retro since '97, since the OG. So brilliant. I had to get them. They got laces, brilliant. bro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sick. And Mitch Acne is awesome. Thank you. Great question. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're just trolling each other the whole the whole time. Any other questions? It's got to be it's got to be a few. Yeah, at the front. Oh, there's one <laughs> at the front. Don't be shy. Um, just more in terms of like you just saying how chefs feel the need to be so innovative in this day and age just to stay relevant. Do you think that detracts from like traditional recipes like a carbonara and that in restaurants? No, no, that's no, that's a trend. A trend is sort of going back to old school. If you look at recently opened Hubert. What Dan mm. Pepperell's doing down there, he's doing real classic mm. French bistro cuisine, you know. And, you know, we love that as chefs. Like, we go to a restaurant and someone's doing something perfectly old school, executing it to the T from how they were doing it back when the whole dish was created. It's, like, amazing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, 100%. But the thing for me is if I didn't know how to make a carbonara properly, I couldn't do the pig's head macaroni. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't have a found, if you don't have a foundation to build from in anything, you know, like if Lev's doesn't understand how to mix properly, then he can't DJ. If, yeah, I'll debate that. Yeah, <laughs> no, because you, you hate people that can't mix properly, yes. and you get the shits about it. But if you don't have the the base knowledge of the classics, and you don't understand them, and you haven't learnt them, then you can't build and go in your own direction. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't do anything that I do, and the same as Dan couldn't do anything he does if we weren't taught how to do properly. 
when we were younger. And then, you know, now we can use different technologies on all that because... Why we, can't we still add cream to carbonara then? Be, shut the... <laughs> <up>. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's not... The... <laughs> no, but that's, that's the thing. Like, if we weren't taught properly, then everything that... All the technological advances and all this kind of stuff, if we weren't taught the basics, we wouldn't be able to use them because it's, it's, it's making the same processes easier, but you need to know the classics and you need to know the base of where everything comes from. But do you think that young kids see what you guys are cooking today and see that is way more exciting than the classics? Yeah, 100%. And, and today go, I want to do that. I don't want to do The way it's like this, 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 mm. they think they can jump from A to Z and not worry about anything in between, but you can't. The same with anything. You can't just pick up a pick up some decks and go, I'm going to DJ. No, like, it doesn't work. You know what I mean? You have to understand how it works. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Um, hi, guys. Um, so before when you were talking, you mentioned social media. Um, in this sort of day and age, we have a lot of, like, reliance on social media as a marketing tool and digital sort of technology as a way to get your name out there. So how do you guys think that, I guess, digital technology has influenced the way you promote and market the restaurants and what do you think we could be doing better in that sphere? It's changed heaps. Like we used to rely on reviews to really get the name of the restaurant out there. But now with blogs and like there's positives and negatives, but we can promote our restaurant every day. We don't need a magazine to do it. We don't need anyone else to do it. Like Dan reaches 400,000 people on Instagram every time he posts. You know, if he posted this at Miss G's, it reaches more people than a newspaper article is going to reach anyway, you know. So it's really changed the game. And luckily, you know, we're savvy enough and we're on top of it enough that yeah. it's an advantage. It's good and bad. I mean, if you look at TripAdvisor and stuff, it's sort of, you know, everyone's a reviewer, which is... <laughs> and then, uh, you know, stuff like dietaries, which is like, why is everyone gluten-free the past year? You know, but, you know, it's... Try owning a pasta restaurant, bro. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, but, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. It's really good. Um, you know, the social media thing is awesome. Um, it's, you know, I mean, I don't have to worry about having a quiet restaurant, but a lot of restaurants, they can actually, like, if you look at, I, when Colin Fassage was talking about Instagram, he's like, if I, I can just post a dish and if we've only got, like, 20 bookings, I can post a dish and then people will start calling up and, you know, stuff like that. So it's, you know, it helps in terms of stuff like that. But um, I, I, I try to not try to really promote the restaurants too much. Like, you know, if you look at a lot of chefs, they, that's all they do. And it's not a real reflection of their sort of character. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. You know, you can do whatever you want with your Instagram. But like, <laughs> you know, I think the reason, you know... The reason why a few, you know, a few people follow me is because they like to see my life, you know, as boring as it is. <laughs> yeah. Dan, you kind of touched on it then about dietaries and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Can you guys just have a whinge? And, like, what, what, <laughs> no, no, we, I can't have, have a whinge. I'm not going to have a whinge. We have we a podcast have called The Mitchin, yeah. and I would say half an hour of every episode is, is whinging about, about dietaries. Yeah. So no, no, I, I've on, actually on, learned to deal with it. Like, I, I look. You I can Mark have a whinge, hang out but at the end of the day, you're the customer, you're paying to come to my restaurant. So you can have as many dietaries as you want. I'll just try and work around it. You know, at the end of the day, if you have a million dietaries, you're going to have a piece of steamed fish with salt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Probably no it, salt, it, bro. I'm allergic to steam. <laughs> in a wider sense, what else pisses you guys off in terms of the restaurant business? Like... These guys like, finally! (laughs) No, we love it. Like, I love the industry. I think no-shows are a a real big, big deal. No-shows are a big deal when they make a book and they don't show up because that, that is, like, ruins your business right there. You know, you have so many people that want to come to your restaurant and who are willing to pay and then, you know, you have a group of eight that doesn't even rock up you know, that, that's like... You it's know. hard if you're a small restaurant yeah. and say a group of 10, you know, like people like to book four different restaurants for a group of 10 and then decide where they go on the day. And then I go to one restaurant and not bother to call the other three restaurants. So you've got 10 empty seats and you might have a, a 40, 50 seat restaurant. 
you know, it's a quarter of your restaurant that's sitting empty mm. because somebody couldn't be bothered to pick up the phone and cancel their booking. So, you know, like we're, it's the hospitality business and we're here to make people happy and we're here to please people and be hospitable, but it's also a business, you know, like at the end of the day, we need to make money, we need to pay our staff, we need to pay our suppliers. So it's hard when people don't understand that and they just think they can do whatever and, the fuck and, they want. And that's the reason why a lot of places now are no bookings. Like that's the whole reason why, you know, like Ms. G's is a no booking policy except for groups over eight or, you know, Mr. Wong is only for groups over six is, is that sole reason of no shows. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anyone got a happier question? <laughs> <laughs> and one more happy question. Frank, you got a happy question, it's fine. <laughs> I was just wondering um, if you can give a, a bit of a hot tip as to a restaurant that we, we need to go check out around Sydney for the, the new breed that's coming through. How much time have you got? Moon Park, Automata, just one. 10 William Street. <laughs> Taku's not going to go to any of them I mean, anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't been yet. It's only opened last week. And Hubert. It's Hubert. It's really good. Um, it's, Dan uh, Pepperell, the head chef, used yeah. to work at Tam William Street and was kind of responsible for kind of making that. Pl- I mean, they, they they recently got a hat for the first time from Good Food Guide, and that's probably all Dan. Because of Pepperell, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's opened a restaurant with the um, the Swillhouse crew, which is the guys who own Frankie's and Shady Pines and Baxter Inn, and that's their first venture into an actual restaurant. And it's just this beautiful, grand sort of French bistro, and Dan Pepperell's at the helm actually doing you know he's he's not confined in this tiny kitchen with two other chefs he's got his own full brigade with a new kitchen and a restaurant that seats over 120 people so he you know um it opened only opened last week and uh, you know i think that's this week the bro. Next, this week yeah this week yeah so it's the next so i think tonight's the first official oh right wow. Wow, amazing yeah yeah. Um, what was it called again, Dan? Hubert. 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 It's in the city, yeah. Great name. Um, Mitch just opened a new joint called Barbrosi, which is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Barbrosi, actually. Um, <laughs> it's prob- with probably the most talented female chef in Australia. That's right, Mitch yeah. Orr. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> Her name's Annalise Gregory. And um, uh, she, I guess, again, it's all, all, a lot of influence from... Like classic French cooking in, on the menu, yeah, right? Yeah, classic French and her travels in Morocco and Europe and she's half Chinese, like has Chinese heritage what? as well. So Does she? Yeah. So it's a, there's, you know, Hubert's quite traditional French and uh, Annalise sort of puts a bit more of a spin on it like we do Acme with Italian food. And uh, Mitch has finally put his carbonara on, on a menu. He never did it properly at Acme. Yeah. He always had the, the variation with a pig's head. But if you want his carbonara, which he's written about, once, but it's been retweeted millions of times. Uh, you should definitely head to Bar Brose to, uh, to try that out. Wow. Um, I also want to shout out a taco place that I talked taco to. Yeah. And I, I did Ghost a, Cantina. Uh, had a 200-like Instagram of taco with tacos. <laughs> um, Ghost Boy. Synergy. Ghost Boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Ghost Boy Cantina has <laughs> always opened really recently in Dixon, Dixon Food Court, Dixon Street Food Court in the... Um, in Chinatown, I love all the food courts in Chinatown. They're like probably like my favorite place to eat. Yeah, I had my my thirtieth first birthday there last week, just in uh, Sussex Street Food Court. There, there's so much to choose from. It's my favorite food court. It is very good one. Yeah, but Sussex or Dixon, Sussex, Sussex Street. Yeah, yeah. I've been to that one. Yeah, I've taken you there. I've taken you there. You had ramen with me there one time. Oh, that time. Ramen. Oh, yeah. The one that's Happy Chef. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite Happy Chef, Hongi? <laughs> Number one, Cambodian style Phnom Penh dry. Yeah, the dry noodles are very good. We'll get this on a list later so you guys can get it back. Um, but, but Ghost Boy Cantina is the first, like, like I don't want to say hipster, but it's like the first. <laughs> it's the first. It's the first, first, first. I haven't heard hipster in about a year. <laughs> really? <laughs> what, wasn't El Loco the first hipster taco yeah, joint, yeah, yeah. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the first, you know, not traditional Asian mm. restaurant to open in one of these food courts. It's a um, it's real low key. It's a taco. It's a taco taco place. <laughs> taco place, but they don't really do tacos like Mexican style. They do on like Chinese pancakes with like Asian influenced toppings. And, and it sounds like the worst fucking place ever. Just is it to open, hear it, is it open now? Like that. Yeah, it's open now. It's open like all. It's open like five days a we week. We should all go. Dixon. Dixon. Dixon's Dixon. Dixon like the shittiest 
food court in China. That's why it's so dope. Yeah, There's yeah, a taco yeah. place down there. And they're yeah. really, really good. I really rate them. They're really good. Yeah, we Very can go flavorful. after this if anyone's keen. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just want to say thank you again. We'll wrap up now. I just want to thank you, Dan. Uh, Andrew and Mitch for coming through. I know your time is very limited. No worries, so we Regan. very much appreciate it. <laughs> um, big shout out to Dropbox, Golden Age, Future Classic, Crane Explore. And thank you for everyone that came. And uh, yeah, check online for this podcast to be uploaded later. Have a good night, everyone. You've been listening to Taco in Residence. Check out the rest of the series at dropeverything.com.au. And you've been listening to the Mitchum Podcast. Thanks so much to everyone at Future Classic and Taku and uh, Dropbox for letting us upload this episode for you this week. A reminder to please check out MCA Art Bar and buy tickets to the first ever actual live episode of the Mitchin. I want you to be there. You can get tickets at mca.com.au slash events. They're 25 bucks. And again, you get access to an entire night of uh, entertainment, bands, DJs, art, and, uh, of course, ourselves. That's uh, me, Mitch Orr, Pat Nurse, Dan Hong, Mark Best, and Lee Tran Lam. Looking forward to it. Hope we see you there. You can find The Mitchin online at facebook.com slash The Mitchin. And uh, please, if you like this episode and any episode of The Mitchin, leave us a lovely review on the iTunes store. Cheers. See you next week. Bye-bye. It's The Mitchin Podcast. 